Good day, Daily Dosers, and welcome into the Daily Dose. It's not going to be the Daily Dose for much longer. I'll explain. I'll explain. But it is still part of the Low Tree Studios Podcast Network, and I'm still your host, Jason Galbraith. It is Monday, March 2nd. Let's start your week. But first... But first, here's this. You did not expect to have a daily dose in your inbox on your app. What's this, a new show? Because, you know, me, I posted that thing on Instagram saying I can't keep up with it. I can't keep up with it. And of course, Instagram, it posted to Facebook. I can't keep up with it. And the truth is I can't. It's very difficult to keep the daily schedule and recording it. And I've tried several different ways of doing it, recording a lot of them in one day, and then I'd be ahead. And then I, and then I tried recording them in the morning before work. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. I was not able to keep up with it. So I was talking to Mindy about it and I was like, you know, I really like the show. I don't really want to get rid of it. And she was like, hey, why don't you just do a weekly dose? Why don't you do a weekly show instead of a daily one? And if ever the time comes that you're able to do it daily again, you can do that. But don't scrap it. Don't scrap it 100%. And that was, I was like, voila, that's it. That's the solution. I'm going to do a weekly podcast, record it once a week, make it a little bit longer, and change the name to a weekly dose, or the weekly dose, I should say. So I'm doing it. I already reached out to my designer. He's going to change the logo to the weekly dose and you will get a podcast every Monday. Starting with this one. Again, it's Monday, March 2nd. And we're going to start your week with this. The evidence abounds a Medicare for all single payer system would guarantee comprehensive coverage to everyone in America and apparently save money. Researchers at three University of California campuses examined 22 studies on the projected cost impact for single-payer health insurance in the United States and reported their findings in a recent paper. Every single study predicted that it would yield net savings over several years. In fact, it's the only way to rein in healthcare spending significantly in the U.S. All 22 studies, regardless of ideological orientation, showed that long-term cost savings were likely. Even the most even the Marcatus Center, a right-wing think tank, recently found about $2 trillion in net savings over 10 years from a single-payer Medicare for All system. Most importantly, everyone in America would have high-quality health care coverage, the biggest cost savings in one public plan negotiated rates with health care providers. Uh, we would do away with three-quarters of the estimated $812 billion the U.S. now spends on health care administration. Big debate in the U.S., big debate here on that. Uh, people think that it would be more for a Medicare for all system. Some of us, like myself, who work and pay for our own medical care, uh, it's costly. It's not as costly as it would be if I was uh, like a, you know, own my own business. You know, let's say I was a, a podcaster, a professional podcaster, I would have to pay for medical insurance and be very, very expensive. Uh, to do so. So a system like this might be kind of cool. Then the debate is like, if you have an appointment, it's going to be months out before you see somebody. I don't know if that's true or is not true. We haven't experienced that. But even now with the, with the care that I have, my, my main doctor, when I try to get a, an appointment with her, it's weeks out, sometimes three, almost sometimes a month out. So it still happens that way. Of course, I can go to urgent care if I need to, but uh, this is a big debate here in the U.S. Not sure if it would work. Um, seems like it might be kind of a good plan for seniors and for people who uh, own their own businesses. 
but I'm not sure. I don't know how much it would cost in taxes. Next thing here, more and more older Americans are using marijuana and other cannabis-based products. In research published last Monday, the number of U.S. adults over 65 who reported using cannabis nearly doubled over a three-year period from 2.4% to uh, in, in 2015 to 4.2% in 2018. An increase of 75%. That's a lot. Get it, you seniors. Smoke the marijuana, man. Would I smoke it if I was a senior? Probably. Probably would occasionally, you know. But, uh, you know, it's not my favorite. I, li- I prefer the bourbon, the whiskey on occasion. But uh, if I was a senior sitting around hanging out, you know, just on the porch chilling, I'd probably have a, a few tokes, you know, and take in the sunset on the beach. Wherever I live, hopefully I live by the beach by then. Despite the fact that employment regulations uh, state it is illegal to discriminate against a potential employee due to their sex, religion, or other personal characteristics, a surprising new survey finds more than half of employers admit to still judging job applicants based on their appearance. The research of 1,000 hiring managers and bosses found that 51% said they have knowingly discriminated against a potential employee because of the way they looked. Of those 51%, just under half said they didn't hire the candidate because of their visible tattoos. Uh Uh-oh. Just under half didn't hire candidates based on their clothes. And hair was a turnoff for about a third of people. Ooh, that is not great. That is not a great thing. Uh, cover up those things, I guess. If you're, if you're, uh, cover up your tattoos. But are you? Uh, for me, I have tattoos. Not visible only when I wear a short sleeve shirt. If I wear a long sleeve shirt, you can't see them. So now, am I deceiving somebody by? By showing up with a, a long sleeve shirt, and then all of a sudden, the first day of work, I busted out and I got tattooed. Are they disappointed now that they see that I have tattoos? Is it deceptive, or are you just playing the game? I say just play the game if you're a potential employee for a company. Just play the game. Look real, real good. And then be yourself by the time you get hired. What are they going to do then, right? Then just prove that you were the right person for the job. Next thing here in the snack food world, cranking up the crisp can lead to a bigger hit. And there are entire research teams working to ensure that the texture of food is specifically calibrated to maximize crunch. The use of the word crispy and crispiness in Yelp reviews of restaurants has increased over the past decade by 20%. And an an analysis of 7,000 menus found crispy is the single most common objective used to describe texture. Crispy. When food researchers measured how how much people enjoy snack foods as a whole, uh, crispy is the winner. By far. Uh, The CDC estimated that 26 million Americans contracted the flu in 2019 through 2020 so far, uh, of whom 250,000 were hospitalized. The season's flu vaccines were found to be quite well suited to the most prevalent infections. And overall, the shot was found to have prevented 45% of infections during the current outbreak. Last flu season, the vaccine was 29% effective. How do you know this? How do you know this? Preventing 4.4 million illnesses, uh, 58,000 hospitalizations, and 3,500 deaths. The common flu, folks, 3,500 deaths. Uh, the season started early and appears to be running longer than usual. Well, I want to want to go back here. The flu season and the vaccine was 29% effective. 29% effective is not good. I, that's good. 
So what that means is, right, if you got the flu shot, I guess that's how they have to do their, their evaluation, right? You got the flu shot and then you still got sick. I guess that's what, what they mean by how they measure their effectiveness. But 29% is not very good. Is it worth it to put that in your body if you're still potentially going to get sick? 70%, 71% of people are still going to get sick. That's not great. Uh, what's the most amount of money one person in a marriage can spend without checking in with the other? Mm, what is it for you? Uh, Ameriprise Financial released a survey that found the average spending limit that necessitated a conversation was $400. That's a lot. I think I can't spend more than 15 <laughs> Not that I need permission, but, you know, I mean, I'm going to say, hey, look, I'm going to spend 20 bucks. You know, I never say, hey, look, I'm going to get this thing for 400 bucks. Is that cool? You know what I mean? No, for me, it's, I, I'm pretty, pretty, uh, open about every, it's probably for me, anything over like four, 20 bucks, I'm going to say, Hey, I'm spending, you know, I'm going out to lunch and I'm going to have a beer or whatever. And I got, I'm spending some money. Is that bad? What does that mean? What does that say? What does that say about me? I can't, you know, I can't, I can't go over, I can't go up to 400 bucks. <laughs> what is it for you and your house? How much can you spend without having to say something to your partner? I guess if you don't have a joint account, it doesn't matter, right? Some people still don't have joint accounts. Mindy and I have joint accounts. We've been doing that for a long time. And it works. Works for us. If you're all about the cleanliness and a neat household, you might be hurting your kids. A study on your kitchen habits even revealed how dishwashing can ultimately cause your children's allergies. Researchers studied 1,029 Swedish children ages 7 or 8 and determined that in households where parents hand, hand wash dishes, children were less likely to develop uh, eczema, asthma, and even hay fever. Uh, the study authors... Uh, hip, ooh, let me, hang on. That's a, that's a good word there. It's, you're going to, when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, that's no big deal. The study authors hypothesized, hypothesized. You got to slow down for that word, right? That's a speed bump in the road. So here it comes. You see it. Oh, there, hypothesized. Go slow over it. Anyway, the study authors hypothesized that kids and families in developing countries have high standards of cleanliness. Dishwashers, by their virtue, are one of the most frequently used cleaning devices in America. They're efficient, speedy, and do the job for you. They also get rid of bacteria, much like hand sanitizers, uh, that keeps kids and adults away from bacteria and microorganisms. Another one to slow down under that word, microorganisms, uh, that could actually train your body to fight them naturally. So by being extra careful about your dishwashing process, you could in fact be inadvertently helping your family develop allergies because your stuff's way too clean. You see, there's something about being way too clean that just mm, isn't great. I think isn't great. Like that hand sanitizer stuff. People use that crap. I cannot use that crap and will not use it. We have new information to report. All right. There is an older, this is an older story, but I thought it was really, really good and fun. And I thought I'd share it. I think it's about, it's about two weeks old because the, the stuff that I gathered for this was, uh, was a little further back since I hadn't done a show in, in a week. Um, here it is. A 42-year-old Zamboni driver for the Toronto Maple Leafs won his first NHL game uh, last Saturday. I believe it was last Saturday after being uh, tape tapped tapped to play as an emergency goalie for the opposing team. Dave 
Aries stepped in for the Carolina Hurricanes after both the team's goalies had to leave the game for injuries, prompting the Zamboni driver to play against his own home team. This is crazy, right? Imagine this. The 42-year-old helped the Hurricanes in their 6-3 win by blocking eight of the 10 shots on goal against him in the last 30 minutes of the game. Did he get paid for that? That's my big question. Did he get did he get goalie salary for that or did he get a Zamboni salary? He had to have gotten some some extra money for that crap, right? How do you negotiate that? Is it do you sign a contract on that crap right before he comes into the game? That is nuts. The Carolina players just told the Zamboni driver to just have fun and not stress about the goals. He allowed two. That's not so bad. Uh, Aries is the second oldest player to make their professional debut in the NHL history after Lester Patrick at age 43 in 1927. According to the NHL, I love that story. I hope he got some good money for that because what's the average, what's the lowest paid player make in the NHL per game? It's got to be a lot of money compared to what he does as a Zamboni driver. Ooh. Man, pay the man. Two sisters in Cambodia have been reunited after 47 years after thinking each other were dead. Uh, Bun Sen, age 98, had been living about 90 miles from her hometown since losing her husband in the 1970s due to the financial unhealth reasons. Uh, Due to financial and health reasons, she wasn't able to visit family. A Cambodian charity helped to arrange a visit to Sen's family and found out her 101-year-old sister and 92-year-old brother were still alive. Reunited and it feels so good. What's the next line? Reunited and it's understood. That's probably not it. All I know is the first part. Do you know the second part? Sing it with me. Nah, we're moving on. A 10-year-old girl from Richardson, Texas, had a surprise slumber party with a raccoon who crawled into her bunk, uh, her bunk bed. Uh, Maddie Gelman woke up with, uh, with him sitting right next to her head. She told her mom that he was gentle and even let the girl pet him. No, 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 no. Uh, The first thing Maddie said to the raccoon was, Hey, buddy. The family figured out that the raccoon crawled into the house through the doggy door after a failed attempt to lure the raccoon out with leftover Valentine's Day candy. The family managed to force it into a box uh, to eventually release it in their front yard. He was never aggressive or scared. That's crazy because usually they're pretty, pretty, pretty scary kind of. Uh, weird, huh? That's because I remember one time we had, first time I ever ran into a raccoon because we don't have a ton of them here. There are some now, but we don't have a lot of them here. But we we ran into a raccoon. We were, we were camping in San Simeon, which is in near, near Cambria, California. It's along the central coast of California. And they have a lot of raccoons in this particular campsite that we were staying at. First time we ever experienced them, we had the broad idea to, uh, strap our coolers with bungee cords and those those little buggers still got inside and pulled out some grapes and then when we tried to scare them away they hissed at us we learned very quickly that when you camp there if you're not camping in a trailer like we do now you have to put your coolers in the car every single night those heavy ass coolers in the car every single night I wish I would have found a nice raccoon like that a man was shot uh with his own gun after robbing a man 
of his cell phone in South Africa. Police say the man was on his way to a bus stop when he was approached by two men, one of whom held him at gunpoint while the other robbed him of his phone. The victim grabbed the gun and a shot went off, which hit the robber. The other robber grabbed his wounded friend and they fled with the phone. Was it worth it? Let the guy have your phone. You could have shot yourself. They still got your phone. They still got your phone. Was it worth it? Well, it wasn't worth it to rob the person in the first place, but really, someone comes up to you with a gun and wants your phone, give them your phone. They, they can have mine. They're going to have to lock it, unlock it anyway. They're not going to be able to use it. So anyway, people still phones still. That's kind of weird. A lucky coin hidden inside a dumpling nearly choked a kid to death in China when it lodged firmly in his throat. The eight-year-old swallowed the coin at a family gathering. Whoever finds the coin is supposed to have good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the choking boy was rushed to the hospital where doctors saved him. So where's the good luck there that the doctors saved him? Did he keep the coin? What's he going to do with the coin? Police in Troy, Michigan were called Michigan were called to a McDonald's at around 3 a.m. on February 15th for a report that people were sleeping in the drive-thru. When officers arrived, they approached two separate vehicles, two separate ones, by the way, and found both drivers asleep at the wheel. The drivers did not know each other and both admitted to having a couple of drinks. Doesn't say whether they were arrested or not. A man broke into a house in India with the intent to commit a burglary, but when he realized he was in the house of a soldier, he abandoned his plan, wrote an apology on the wall, and left the house, but not before tasting some of the soldier's liquor. Of course, you gotta have some of the liquor, right? You, you, are, you did it, so pour one out. Pour one out for the soldier. Pour one out into your mouth. Or the soldier. The man wrote on a letter, I broke the seventh commandment of the Bible. There's there's a seventh commandment of the Bible? I did not know that. I, ha I had no, I mean, I, I know there's a seventh commandment because there's 10, but is this the seventh commandment? I didn't know this. I had no idea it was, uh, it was the house of a soldier. I realized this was a, uh, uh, I, I realized this when I saw the uniform and cap, kindly forgive me, officer. Is the seventh commandment to not steal? Should I know the commandments better? Being that I was born in the, in the Christian faith, should I know them? I don't. I don't know them. Am I embarrassed by this? Not really. Just live a good life. You know what I mean? Be kind to people. I probably know them. I probably know them like they're just instilled in me, but I just haven't memorized them. So don't steal from soldiers. That's the seventh commandment. Yeah, in general, I think. Next thing and last thing in the news, in Germany, a man broke into a car late one night. He was uh, hard at work trying to pry out the car's in-dash screen, but it turned out to be an exhausting job, and before long, he was sound asleep. And that's how the cops found him still clutching his screwdriver. Still clutching that screwdriver. They woke him up, and they arrested him. These are your entertainment headlines. You may have heard of this somewhere, but you're going to hear it again. Kirk Douglas reportedly donated most of his fortune to charity. The actor passed away on February 5th at the age of 103. What a great 
Long life. Awesome. He left $50 million of his $60 million fortune to the Douglas Foundation, which, aim, which aims to help those who cannot otherwise help themselves. Some of the beneficiaries from his namesake foundation include St. Lawrence University, where they fund a scholarship for minority and underprivileged students, and Westwood's Sinai Temple, which houses the Kirk and Annie Douglas Childhood Center. The foundation also funds Culver City's Kirk Douglas Theater, a live performance venue, and Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. From what I know, uh, his son didn't get much of it. Not that they care. I, I saw this in the news that it was like a big deal. Oh, that uh, Michael Douglas didn't get any of Kirk's uh, fortune. Why does he care? Michael Douglas is probably has more money than his dad. You know what I'm saying? He's done a lot more movies. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Well, maybe he hasn't done a lot more movies. But uh, anyway, it's, why would he care? I don't know. And I would do that too if I'm if I know my sons, my family's well off. Why would I give to my family? I would give to the foundations. What about what a legacy to leave behind? All right, Mel Gibson's Braveheart was released 25 years ago and will be back in theaters next month. The film would go on to win a Best Picture Oscar, except according to a few lists of the worst Oscar movies of all time, Braveheart shouldn't have won. So I've got a list here, and I don't know if you'll agree, and I'm not sure if I will agree, so we'll go through it. These are other movies that should have, that shouldn't have won an Oscar, according to critics. I don't know what they were up against at the time, though, so it's hard for me to really judge this. So really, it's going to be me going, I liked it. I think that should have won, but I don't know what it was up against. Again, uh, maybe you'll know, but I doubt it. First one here, A Beautiful Mind was in 2001. It won the Oscar. I enjoyed it. Again, I don't know what it was up against. I thought it was a good film, though. It was definitely Oscar-worthy. The next one is Ordinary People, 1980. I did not see it, so I'm not sure. You know, I really don't have an opinion on that one. Forrest Gump, 1994. I, again, don't know what it was up against. I enjoyed the film. Should it have won? That's a great question. It was very gimmicky. Uh, did, did he really deserve to win an Oscar for playing that character? You know, Forrest Gump was really strange because you didn't know really if he was developmentally disabled or just kind of not very smart. You know, the book was really interesting. I don't know if you've ever read the book, but the, the Forrest Gump went on a lot more adventures than, than of course the movie could, could capture, but that's a book. Usually people say that about books anyway. Next one is Terms of Endearment. That was in 1983. Again, don't know anything about it. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days. That was in 1956. Never seen it. Rocky, 1976. I actually was surprised to hear that this one won an Oscar. I had no clue that it did, uh, and then I think he won an Oscar for best for um, for screenplay too. Uh, Sylvester Stallone wrote the whole thing. It was great. It was great. It probably was worthy of an Oscar. I think Slumdog Millionaire in two thousand eight. I really did enjoy this movie. <laughs> I thought it was good, but don't know what it was up against. Shakespeare in Love nineteen ninety eight. Never saw it. Out of Africa nineteen eighty five. Never saw that either. The English Patient, 1996. It was a very strange movie, but I did like it. I thought it was very well done. Driving Miss Daisy. Loved that film. I think it should have won. 1989. That was a good film. I enjoyed it. And then Crash in 2004. I like that film too. So I don't know. I don't know if I agree with this 100%. Some of them I haven't seen though. But uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts? 
All right, so I thought I'd do something fun for this, right? I would do this day in history. So instead, I'll go through the whole week, going from Monday to Friday, doing this week in history, starting with, of course, today, March. Uh, well, March 1st is what I started with. So it's Sunday. I started with yesterday. So we'll start there. Uh, on March 1st, 1932, in a crime that captured the attention of the entire nation, Charles Lindbergh Jr., the 20-month-old son of aviation hero Charles Lindbergh, is kidnapped from the family's new mansion in Hopewell, New Jersey. Lindbergh, who became an international celebrity when he flew the first solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean in 1927, and his wife Annie discovered a ransom note de uh, demanding $50,000 uh, in their son's empty room. The kidnapper used a ladder to climb up the open second floor window and left muddy footprints in the room. Uh, I did read the whole little story here. If you ever want to read this, it's a great site. It's uh, This Day in History. It's by the History Channel. And it's got some really cool reads there. And it turns out that, uh, I don't know if you know the history behind this, but uh, the, the uh, son did was killed that same night. So the whole ransom thing didn't really exist. I mean, it, there was no child to be given back. Kind of sad. Next thing here, this is uh, for the, the second. This is for today, actually. Theodore Gesell, better known to the world as Dr. Seuss, the author and illustrator of such beloved children's books as The Cat in the Hat and Green Eggs and Ham, is born in Springfield, Massachusetts on March 2nd, 1904. On March 3rd, 1887, Annie Sullivan, or Anne Sullivan, begins teaching six-year-old Helen Keller, who lost her sight and hearing after a severe illness at the age of 19 months under Su Sullivan's tutelage, including her pioneering touch teaching techniques. The previously uncontrollable Keller flourished, eventually graduating from college and becoming an international lecturer and activist. Sullivan later dubbed the miracle worker remained Keller's entre uh, entrepreneur. <laughs> interpreter and constant companion until the older woman's death in 1936. On March 4th, 1933, at the height of the Great Depression, Franklin Delano, Delano, Delano. I thought it was Eleanor. Isn't that weird? Franklin Eleanor Roosevelt. I don't know why I always thought it was that. Now I know it's Franklin Delano Roosevelt is inaugurated as the 32nd president of the United States. And on March 5th, which is Thursday, next, next week I'll do Monday through Friday. But on March 5th, 1963, the hula hoop, a hip swiveling toy that became a huge fad across America when it was first marketed by Whammo in 1958, is patented by the company's co-founder, Arthur Spud Mellon. An estimated 25 million hula hoops were sold in its first four months of production alone. And it still exists, folks, uh, especially at Cirque shows, like Cirque, the, the, Cirque, the two Cirque shows that we saw recently, the one here locally in Lancaster on Valentine's Day or the day after Valentine's Day, they did some hula hoop stuff. And so did the, ooh, what is it called? I forgot it. The thing we, the one we saw in Vegas, they had some hula hoop business going on there. So it's still doing its thing and they're still having some fun with it. It is still hot. But if you're hot, drink some water around the water cooler. Here's your water cooler question. In London, in the middle of the 19th century, the average lifespan of one of these was just 25 years. What is it? Oh, 
it's a human, a human lifespan was only 25 years. That is so crazy. That is so crazy. So look around right now. If you're, if you're over 25 years old, man, you're, you live well past you're living. I've living well past uh, the average lifespan. That is pretty incredible. So that does show you that, uh, you know, medicinal technology throughout the years has, has really improved our lives. That's for sure. All right, let's end the podcast and start your week, your week with a deep thought. And it is this, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Now, do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? I do. I do agree that knowledge pays the best interest because if is, especially if it's applied, if you're applying that knowledge, then it will, it will pay a lot in, in the future, not in money necessarily, but in, in just, just an approach to life. If you know, once you know better, you do better, right? So you start to improve upon your life. So I agree with this and I love this deep thought An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. That concludes this show. I hope you enjoyed uh, this new version of it. Thank you for being uh, patient with me in discovering it. And I want to thank Mindy, of course, for uh, suggesting that I do a weekly show instead of a daily one. It's going to be fun. I do love this show. I do love doing it. So I'm glad to be able to be, continue to bring it. it. Maybe not to the capacity that I brought it to you last time. Maybe it doesn't fit into your tiny commute like it did. I'm so sorry about that. But uh, at least you're getting something. And like I said, if it ever if ever the time comes that I'm able to do it daily, I will do it daily again. I have the logo and I can just change it all right back. Um, I wanted to do something fun uh, and I'm hoping that I can still do it. And there's some other things I'd like to add to this show. Some of the plans that I had for it in the past, when I first started it, I would like to initiate those again. I'll announce those as it comes along. But one of the things I like to do is I want to find some of my old journals. I used to keep a journal back in the day. I was inspired to do this by my drama teacher when I first got into uh, uh, drama and theater uh, when I was a senior in high school. And I have some of my old journals and I wanted to open them up and read some of them to you. I thought it'd be really, really fun to do that. So if I can find them, I'm going to do that. I, I looked for them a little bit today, but I couldn't find them. So next time, hopefully I'll have something like that and I'll make it a little feature, but I'd like for you guys to do the same. If you had kept a journal all those years ago, I would love to be able, and you don't have to say your name. You don't have to say who you can, it can be anonymous and I'll respect that because it may be silly. It may be strange and you may be a little uncomfortable sharing it, but I thought it'd be really something really fun to share on this podcast and another little segment that we can do. So if you have something like that and you would, you find it really, you would find it really fun to share if you kept a journal back then, then please email it to me at uh, lowtreestudios at gmail.com. That's lowtreestudios at gmail.com. I will make sure that it's kept private if you want it to be kept private and uh, protect your identity, you know, if it's too embarrassing. But I think that'd be really fun to share and I'm going to start doing that. So I'm going to actually, after this, go dig around in the garage and see if I can find some of my old journals and share those with you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this show. That's it for today. You lovely people have an amazing day, an amazing week, and take care of your fellow travelers on planet Earth. I'll be back next Monday with more weekly goodness.